0: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome. This week in Matterfile, we're making a slight change to the format. Instead of doing two episodes per country, I thought we'd do three episodes per country. And this serves two purposes. The first is that it splits up the first episode, which was becoming slightly too long, into two different episodes now with the first episode being on ancient and medieval history of the countries leading up to perhaps the Second World War or the First World War, and the second being more about the contemporary history of countries, including history after the Second World War and leading up to the current geopolitical state. The second purpose it serves is it allows me to go into slightly more depth about the geopolitical state and the politics of countries today. And I thought this might help. So welcome to This Week. Well, I was in two minds about profiling this country. Because on one hand, this country's history is incredibly sensitive, with trauma that I cannot hope to accurately portray. On the other, it just had its presidential elections and it's re-elected that incumbent conservative candidate to power. So it's a rather topical country to cover. Knowing fully well that I'm going to have to talk about this country at some point, I figured now's as good a time as any. So let's talk about a country in Central Europe that borders Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Slovakia, Czechia and Germany from the east to the south and then the west. This week, let's talk about Poland. In most books I came across, the history of the Polish state as we know it today begins with the Piast dynasty in the 10th century. But this podcast would not be doing its job were it not more thorough than that. Just a quick heads up, if I ever use the phrase Lesser Poland, I'm referring mostly to southeastern Poland. Greater Poland, on the other hand, refers to northwestern and central Poland. It's named Greater Poland as it is the older province of Poland and was the cradle of statehood in early Poland. And we begin in 2300 BCE with the Bronze Age, information on which we have through archaeological excavations. The Bronze Age can roughly be divided into the early and late phases. The Early Bronze Age was largely characterized by a few agricultural societies, primarily of the Unetis, Iuno, and Miršanovice cultures. The Unetis culture has its eponymous site in Chechia, northwest of Prague, and the artifacts from the culture have been found in modern-day Poland, Slovakia, Czechia, and Germany. In Poland, the first signs of Unetis societies were uncovered in the 19th century, and uncovered artifacts include mostly metal objects such as flat axes and burial sites. Unetis culture, by all accounts, was the most widely spread Bronze Age culture in Poland. To its east, in Lesser Poland, around its border with Ukraine, lay the territory of the Mishanowice culture, whose people were initially mobile cattle breeders with signs of settlements in the first millennia BC. A fortified settlement located near Jaslo in southeast Poland has been used to better understand the Mischanowice culture. Finally, Ivno cultures are found in northeastern Poland and bear some similarities to both Mischanowice cultures and seem to have been influenced by Unetis cultures. After these three cultures, there was a transition period between the early and the late Bronze Age. Which saw the rise of the Tuchiniak culture, the tumulus and Pilini cultures. The Tuchiniak culture is probably consi- probably consisted of various societies that are grouped together for their style of pottery, and probably lasted around seventeen hundred to twelve hundred B.C. The other two cultures are also characterized based on their characteristic artifacts, such as urns and typical burial sites that have been uncovered in areas in and around Poland. The Late Bronze Age lasted from 1250 to 750 BCE, and Poland around this time housed primarily the Luzetian culture. The Luzetian culture, put rather reductively, seems to have arisen from the Tociniak culture, and it also bears influences from the Tumulus culture. Their economy was predicated on arable farming of cereals and lentils. Burials were by cremation, and Biskupin is a known settlement in Poland of the Luzetian culture. The culture extended from the Late Bronze Age into the Silver Age and lasted till around 400 BCE. The civilization is said to be ethnically non-homogeneous despite a fairly typical artistry across societies and societies themselves are believed to be organized by way of profession with families acting as functional units. A contemporary to Lusetian culture was the Pomeranian culture in northern Poland and in Germany. Like the Lusetian culture and cultures before them, the Pomeranians had distinct burial traditions, typical artworks, and engaged in some livestock farming and long-distance trade. After the 7th century BCE, the conditions in Europe were no longer as amicable as they had been three centuries prior, with cultures such as the Hallstatt culture adopting aggressive warring tactics. Lusatian culture was still the predominant culture in Poland, and Lusatians started incorporating iron, glass, and amber into their manufactured goods and jewelry. The Lysetians did develop fortified settlements to help ward off invasions from Scythian cultures. The Scythians were a nomadic people of the Pontic steppe, who had significant presence between the 7th and the 3rd century BCE. There are several hypotheses surrounding the origin of the Scythian peoples, but a genetic study done quite recently showed that they were the descendants of the Yamnaya culture, a proto-Indo-European culture prevalent in the regions between the Ural and Neistar rivers, which are found in modern-day Ukraine and Kazakhstan. In the 5th and 6th century, the Scythians tried expanding their area of presence in Europe, playing a major role in the fall of the Assyrian Empire of the North Arabian Peninsula. More importantly to this episode, though, the Scythian expansion of the 5th century BCE cut off Lusetian trade links with Helstadt societies, leading to a decline of Luzetian culture. We'll cover the Scythian culture in greater detail in the episode about Ukraine, but for now, let's get back to the developments in Poland. Starting around 400 BCE, we have the next wave of Polish history after the Iron Age in what's better known as Antiquity. And Antiquity is broadly divided into three parts. The first is the La period between 450 and 0 BCE. This is also called the Pre-Roman period as it's followed by the Roman period that lasted from 0 till 375 CE the final phase in antiquity is known as the Migration period and lasted from around 375 to 500 CE. The Lat 10 period is dominated by Celtic people who arrived in Poland from Bohemia in Czechia around 400 BCE. The Celtics are also an Indo-European peoples and were descendants of Halstadt cultures from Central Europe, primarily originating from around Austria and Switzerland. The Celts are supposed to have expanded through transcultural migration to the British Isles, France, the Iberian Peninsula, Bohemia, and of course, Poland. In Poland, there is no proof of violent annexation of local areas by Celtic migrants, and it's believed that Celts settled in Poland for its economic viability. Poland, crucially, was strategically located on the trade route called the Amber Trail, with rich, fertile resources of land, iron ore, copper ore, and gold. The Celts advanced agricultural practices using plows and tools and brought with them their own unique burial tradition as well as Celtic gold coins. Alongside agrarian advancements by Celtic settlers, Proto-Germanic cultures were growing in the north of Poland and the Szefosk culture in lesser Poland. The Szefosk peoples were influenced by Celtic society and established population enclaves. They also began large-scale production of iron and had arms and ornaments patterned in Celtic fashion. In the 1st century BCE, the Roman Empire tried subjugating all of Germania, which incidentally included cultures within Poland. In the Battle of the Tutoborg Forest, located in northwest Germany, Germanic tribes decisively defeated Roman factions to establish a border for the early Roman Empire. The Roman Empire did, though, heavily invest in the construction of transcontinental trade routes. This, of course, included the Amber Trail and saw a lot of interaction between Celtic tribes and Romans, and the Celts controlled the Baltic face of the Amber Road. In the 1st century CE, there were also developments of proto-Gothic cultures such as the Weilbach culture in Pomerania on the German-Poland border alongside the existing Chevos culture. The Baltic culture was also present in Latvia, Lithuania, and part of eastern Poland, but this culture did not build large fortified settlements. Fast forward a century to the late 2nd century, where the Weilbach culture decided to expand south, in turn displacing Przeworsk tribes from greater Poland. At the same time, Roman tribes initiated the Marcomannic Wars against northern Germanic tribes such that they could gain access to the Baltic Sea. The Romans referred to the regions north and northeast of their empire as barbarian lands, and these lands developed after the Marcomenic Wars. They developed with the aid of Roman prisoners from whom they gained technical expertise, building much more sophisticated housing, intricate jewelry, and accruing wealth in the process. In the 3rd century CE, the Wildbox left most of Pomerania and migrated east and then south, ultimately settling in modern-day Ukraine. Simultaneously, Przewosk people were also moving, although still concentrated in Lesser Poland. By the 4th and 5th century, the number of Przewosk settlements had greatly decreased. A final event worth mentioning was in the 4th century, the Huns decided to cross the Volga River. In doing so, they defeated the Alan and Ostrogoth peoples and forced the Visigoths to retreat. The Hun invasion began a mass migration event and a subsequent depopulation of Polish territories. The migration saw some Western Baltic tribes take over lands left by the wild Baltic tribes expanded further west from Lithuania into northeast Poland and allowed people from the Slavic cultures to also move in further west. The Baltic peoples gradually decreased in population till the end of the first millennia CE and through the Middle Ages. The causes of population decrease included Christianization, assimilation into Slavic cultures, or just flat-out conquest. For the five hundred years that followed, from sixth century C.E. till the establishment of the Piast dynasty in the tenth century, Poland was mostly inhabited by Slavic societies. Slavic cultures were European descendants from the Balto-Slavic linguistic group, and the Slavic peoples that occupied Slovakia, Poland, Chechia, Lusatia, and Pomerania were referred to as the Western Slavs or the Central Slavs. Of these, the Lechitic people refer to those that inhabited Poland. The Lechitic people were the closest ancestors of modern-day ethnic Poles and were distinct from the Czech Slovak group of Slavic people. In around 930 CE, the Western Polans, an influential Lechitic tribe, united other tribes to form the Piast dynasty and the first semblance of the Polish state. In 966 CE, the Catholic Church led the Christianization of Poland, Despite the proselytization though, the Polish state remained incredibly tolerant towards diverse ethnic and religious identities of the Polish people and settlers including their Jewish citizens. The Christianization took place under the rule of King Maiszko I and continued over the course of several following centuries. Maiszko was seen as a vassal of the Holy Roman Empire and gained favor with fellow Slavic tribes by fighting alongside them in several battles ranging through the 970s and 980s. This allowed the amicable expansion of Piast rule and the establishment of a sustainable state of Poland. On his death, Maishko was succeeded by his son Boleslaw in 992 CE. Boleslaw continued to try and consolidate the Polish church and won favor with Emperor Otto III of the Holy Roman Empire. Before his death in 1025, Boleslaw obtained papal permission and was crowned the first king of Poland. This event also marked the inauguration of the Kingdom of Poland. On the death of Otto III, though, Boleslaw did not have favourable relations with his successor Henry III. This resulted in a series of wars between 1002 and 1018 CE. These were not the only wars that Boleslaw fought, though. He espoused an expansionist policy and intervened in Czech dynastic conflict between 1003 and 1004 alongside leading several other conflicts in the west towards Kiev, His expansionist policy resulted in a mixed bag of successes and failures for the Piast dynasty, as while he did manage to expand westward into Russia, he did also spark a fair bit of resentment against his kingdom. The thus-generated animosity came back to bite the Piast dynasty, as under the rule of Boleslaw's son, Maishko II Lambert, his brothers coordinated invasions from Germany that led him to ultimately fleeing Poland. The lack of his stable leadership led to a pagan reaction fueled by dissatisfaction with the baptism of Poland. This was alongside a flare-up of anti-feudal sentiments in the 1030s that further destabilised the Kingdom of Poland. These infarctions paved way for a bohemian invasion that caused territorial losses for the Kingdom before Casimir I reclaimed Masovia and Silesia to restore the Kingdom of Poland by his death in 1058. Casimir was followed by Bolesław II, Vladislaw I, Hermann and Boleslaw III, all of whom had interesting reigns but nothing particularly significant in the grand scheme of the history of Poland. The interesting events were broadly some military and territorial conflicts that saw some gain and some loss of land in Pomerania and other religious conflicts with authorities in the Roman Church. Until the death of Bolesław III though, the kingdom was cohesive, majority Christian and had a relatively robust centre. On his deathbed, Boleslaw III divided the kingdom of Poland among his four sons, making complex arrangements to prevent fratricidal conflict, but sadly this did not help. The kingdoms he divided Poland into were Silesia, Greater Poland, Masovia, Sandomirs, and Krakow. At this point you'll be thinking, didn't you say he had four sons but these are five kingdoms? And this is true because the first four of these kingdoms went to his sons, while Krakow was placed under the control of the then Duke of Krakow. For the two centuries after the death of Boleslaw III in the early 12th century, there was infighting within the Piast dynasty, as well as conflict with the church, creating an increasingly fragmented kingdom of Poland. From 1232, there were a few attempts at reunification after internal instability led to an increase in German settlements on Polish lands, as well as Mongol invasions beginning in 1240. Some Piast dukes tried reunifying Poland, but without much success. The Church of Poland was a large proponent of the reunification of Poland, and in 1295, Przemysl II of Greater Poland was coronated king, only to be assassinated soon after. A more extensive unification was attempted by Wacklap II of Bohemia, coronated in 1300, but he lost support soon after and also died by 1305. The 14th century saw the fading of the Piast dynasty, which controlled a weakened and reduced Polish state. Regional piast princes remained strong, often in stronger alliances with neighbors than within the state. The Teutonic Order had gained control over Vistula. The eastern extent was truncated, and Masovia was not fully incorporated in the state. Parallel to its decrease in military prowess, the tolerance of the, po- pro- the, tolerance of the Polish state was only was only strengthening with the adoption of the Madberg Rites, which accorded non-Christian communities with specific privileges, paving the way for Jewish migration into Poland. While the Roman Catholic Church's tolerance for Jewish populations, and indeed any non-Christian population, decreased over the 12th and 13th century, Polish princes sought to protect the rights of their Jewish citizens, ultimately leading to the issuance of the Greater Charter of Jewish Liberties in 1264, by King Boleslaw the Pious. The protections accorded to Jewish citizens were amplified through the last centuries of the Piast Empire. After the Piasts came the Jagiellon era from 1385 till the mid 16th century. This era was crucial in the forming of the Polish-Lithuanian Union, which became one of the largest political entities in Europe for the coming centuries. The Jagiellons extended broad privileges to Lithuanian Jewish populations and developed a feudal state, consisting of powerful landed nobility founded on an agrarian economy. Conflict in the Ottoman Empire and the Teutonic Order in the 15th century saw the expansion of Jagiellon Polish state to regions in Bohemia and Hungary, alongside claiming suzerainty over subjugated areas. The European Renaissance was also sparked in Poland towards the end of the Jagiellon rule, in the early 15th century. Despite the religious tolerance preached by the government and the state, in the 1450s, anti-Jewish riots flared up in Bohemian and Silesian cities on Franciscan claims that Judaism profaned Christianity. The riots saw Jewish populations ordered to settle in Jewish towns outside the city centers of Krakow and Silesia. They were allowed to, of course, return to the Grand Duchy of Lithuania in in 1503, but the status and privileges of Jewish populations oscillated under various kings that followed. The reign of Sigismund the Old beginning in 1506 saw increases in the autonomy of Jewish peoples, establishing a rabbinate in Poland and allowing Jewish populations to thrive in the face of decreased tolerance elsewhere in Europe. Polish-Lithuanian collaboration saw the establishment of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth in 1569 through the Union of Lublin, The Commonwealth was a more closely knit unified federal state with an elected monarchy with local and central parliamentary assemblies. The following Warsaw Convention of 1573 granted religious freedom to the nobility and townsfolk, but the peasantry still had strict limitations on that autonomy. The following century saw Poland thrive as a European power, spreading its influence and culturally pollinating areas of modern-day Ukraine, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, and Russia. Yes, I know the technical term is pollinizing, but I just find pollinating slightly cuter. In this, they did have some military tiffs with Sweden, Russia, and the Ottoman Empire, along with some minor Cossack uprisings, but nothing that debilitated the kingdom. The Commonwealth saw culture, art, education, and the economy of Poland grow, with Jewish populations and diverse cultures thriving in the Commonwealth. In 1618, they signed the truce of Diolino with the Tsardom of Russia to culminate the Polish-Muscovite war, consolidating their borders around roughly a million square kilometers of Central Europe. For context, modern-day Poland has a total area of just over 300,000 square kilometers, which is less than one-third the size of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. In the mid-17th century, though, the nobles' quasi-democracy began succumbing to internal disorder and foreign attack. 1648 saw the Klemensky uprising, or the Polish-Cossack War, in which Cossack populations, who are predominantly Slavic-speaking Orthodox Christians, aligned with Crimean Tatars under the leadership of Hetman Bodan Kleminsky to fight the forces of the Polish Commonwealth on its eastern border. This was significant as the Cossacks were aligned with the Tsardom of Russia and acted as the primary to Ukraine's relationship with Russia and with Poland. This uprising brought with it the killing of several thousand Polish citizens, Jews and Christians alike, by the Cossacks. Poland was also dealing with constant invasions by Russia and the Ottoman Empire during this time. In 1655, Sweden led an invasion called the Swedish Deluge, ending with the Treaty of Olivia five years hence. The conflict, along with epidemics and famines, saw the destruction of Warsaw. Almost a third of Poland's population was lost in the 17th century. The total cost to the Polish state was estimated at around just under 2 billion US dollars. Swedish and Russian troops were responsible for the destruction of around 188 cities and towns, along with various castles and over 100 churches during the deluge. And in empirical loss of property and land, the deluge is said to have been worse than the Second World War for the state of Poland. Despite the colossal losses incurred during the deluge, the Polish Commonwealth re-established its military prowess under John III Sobieski at the end of the 17th century. The economic and population losses, though, meant that the Commonwealth declined in its strength and prosperity across the 18th century until it finally ended in the undergoing of three partitions. In the lead-up to the partitions, the centre did implement several internal economic reforms that saw progress in education, art, society, and economic growth. The first partition took place in 1772 under considerable internal and international political pressure, causing territorial losses to Austria, Russia, and Prussia. The second partition came in 1793, at the end of the Polish-Russian War, and saw Poland give up more territory to Russia and Prussia. At the end of this partition, Poland was too small for independent existence and in 1995 a final partition saw it secede more land to Austria, Russia and Prussia ending the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and indeed Polish autonomy. The loss of an independent state saw several Polish uprisings in the late 18th and early 19th century against its partitioners. These uprisings grew increasingly violent and organized Till the first major revolt in the November Uprising of 1830. While the Polish rebels lost the war, the frustrations against the Russian state remained. An insurrection in 1846 in Austrian Poland by a leading radical nationalist group called the Polish Democratic Society saw the nationalist movement suffer large losses in manpower as the peasantry took up arms against the privileged leadership of the movement itself. A last major insurrection was in 1836 after Russia's loss in the Crimean War, when a group of intellectuals influenced by Marx tried revolting in Poland. The movement lasted 15 months but could not garner enough support and came to a crushing defeat, leading to Russia abolishing the special status for Poland and the Polish Congress, causing most citizens to assimilate into the Russian Empire. It was after the First World War that the revolutionary Russia renounced its claims over Poland under the Treaty of Brest-Litwosk, during the war, Russians acknowledged a Polish right to autonomy and allowed the formation of the Polish National Committee. When the United States of America entered the war in 1917, it weakened the Tsarist-Russian state, allowing the Bolsheviks to come to power and removing troops from the Eastern Front in Poland. Simultaneously, the German loss in 1918 to overthrow the Prussian monarchy and establish the Weimar Republic, so German troops also vacate Polish land. This ultimately led to the re-establishment of an independent Polish state as a clause under the Treaty of Versailles. Joseph Pilsudski was a Polish statesman who served as the chief of state from 1918 till 1922. The nationalist Pilsudski wanted to extend Poland's borders to recapture the extent of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and took control of much of Ukraine in 1919. The Russian Red Army, led by Vladimir Lenin, was also advancing on disputed territories in Ukraine and initiated the Polish-Soviet war in 1919. While the Polish army seemed to have the upper hand initially, by 1920 they were grossly outnumbered, leading to a string of Soviet victories. The armed conflict ended with Polish armies miraculously winning the Battle of Warsaw and expediting a peace deal soon after. And while Poland retained its state, Russia gained ground in Ukraine and Belarus. At the end of this we're in 1922, where Poland has a largely consolidated state with some nationalistic fervour. You have a revolutionary Russia that has Vladimir Lenin at its head, and a largely radicalised Europe at the end of the First World War. I think this is an appropriate time to end this episode, when in the second episode we look at the lead up to the Second World War, the Second World War itself, and the post-Second World War recovery of the Polish state, and how the recovery led to the current geopolitical landscape of Poland. Thank you for joining me once again. This has been Matterphile and Episode 1 of Poland. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?